Oh, sh- it disappeared. All right, go ahead. It went away. Let's go ahead and just do the intro. Sorry about that. I'll cut it out. <laughs> you don't want to use music this time? No, nah, it's it. It got like disappeared. So All right. I don't know what's going on. Hello and welcome. This is episode five of the Major League Boys. Today is Saturday, March twenty sixth. That's Ty. That's Andrew. And today with us, we got a new face, Ian, here to help us out with a little bit of baseball. Uh, today, we're going to talk about a couple of the new rule changes that are being proposed for the 2022 season. Those include maintaining the Ghost Runner on second for extra innings for the 2022 season only, an expanded roster for April, the Otani rule, and one we've already talked about a little bit nine inning extra or nine inning double headers. So let's start with the ghost runner on second for the 2022 season for extra innings. Ian, what's your perspective on that? Um, so hi, man. Uh, I've never really liked the rule. Uh, I think there was a, a way to try and speed up the games because some of the some of the games would go into nineteen, you know, twenty innings sometimes. I mean, rarely, but that's a long that's a long time for baseball, like a long, long game. I never liked the rule though because it tended to me it seemed like it punished certain uh, it punished relief pitchers, and it was it always at least second base I thought was a little much because a single base hit could give you that lead. You know what I mean? And that's just a little punishing, I think, for relief pitching in high-stress situations where, you know, the game's getting close to ending. Um, You could always bunt someone over to third and a fly ball would get that run over. We didn't see a whole lot of that last year, but I never liked that rule just because it gave an advantage to the offense. And I kind of like an offensive-defensive balance is where I don't like that rule. I'm glad that they're getting rid of it. Um, I understand why they kept it this year because of the shortened spring training. I do think they could probably not do it after like maybe the first month because of they don't want to you know, hurt relievers' arms that are not completely stretched out yet. I get that, and that's why they're keeping it going in this year. But to keep it for the entire year, I don't know. I'm also not sure. Maybe you can expound on this, but uh, I did see something that maybe in the off or in the postseason that the, the Ghost Runner is going to go away. I don't know if that's confirmed yet or been talked about. I think that uh, yeah, it's only for the regular season that they're going to keep the Ghost Runner, and then after this 2022 regular season, it's it's done for good. Um, that is my understanding of it. <clears throat> okay, but uh, I, I I agree with you. I don't like it. I think if you didn't earn being on second by way of a fair ball, then uh, why are you out there? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'd agree with you. Anybody got any opinion to the contrary? I think no, I, not to the contrary, but I just to sort of uh, double down on that point. I think it's uh, I, I think it's a way to sort of shorten the game, I guess, in a sense of or, or like keep it to where again, like it's not. Um, I think they're trying to limit the amount of time people are going to sit sit around watching pitching. I think that's kind of like what they're trying to get away from, as we'll mention later on through the different rule changes. I think they're really just trying to make it a batter's league primarily, and that's kind of uh, one of the things that they're adding to just sort of add to that. And and that's 
where I have an issue with it as well, because then it just sort of takes away from the integrity of the game. So yeah, that's kind of just doubling on that. I'm kind of neutral about it just because like it, it extends to both teams. I get that it's going to put pressure on the next team who's fielding like uh, in the extra innings. So like, it's going to put pressure there. But like if they're up by like, I don't know. I just don't know how to feel about it, really, because, like, it, I, I get why they're trying to push a batter's league, and it does put pressure on the next fielding team. So, like, you didn't really earn a runner on second, but, I mean, if they keep clinching it right there, then the next team gets a runner on second. So I see it as kind of more of, like, they were trying to weigh if they want more people watching batting over, like, giving the team an extra slight edge. And I think it was just a small enough edge that they're like, all right, we'll try this this year. Yeah. Um, well, like when it comes to that too. Sorry, if I no, can... go ahead. Um, from a, the perspective of keeping the game short, uh, people see the idea is that baseball is boring because it's a long game. I mean, it's three hours. Football games are just as long. Basketball games are kind of shorter. But if I pay for a ticket, I want to get the most out of my money. If games go into extra innings, I'm all for it. Yeah. Um. I don't as 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 a viewer, maybe if I'm sitting at home watching it, I guess it can be a long day if I want to watch the entire thing. But if I go to a game and that game goes to extra innings, I'm I'm happy. That is that is more bang for my buck. Um and extra innings, man, those games get exciting. I've been to two, I think. Mm-hmm. I think off wins. They I are think exciting. the fallacy I think the fallacy in the uh the league organization office is that they think that they're going to be able to make baseball like football or like NBA or or treat it like they would within the other league where they're going to be able to introduce things and make it all synonymous but baseball is in a league of its own as far as viewership as far as culture as far as who follows it and like and what the following is even about i mean even the statistic is is gathered in a different form so i think trying to make the trying to make the league or the gameplay as uniform as possible to other leagues is, is just sort of hindering the audience that's already being captured by this league. I, I think it's just, uh, it, it's making a it's sort of throwing a wrench into it because as you're saying, if you go to, if you go to a game and, and there comes down to extra innings, that just means that the game is going well, like it's a good game. And the longer it's going on it, the more intense the game probably is. And so when something happens like a, a walk off home run in the 10th inning or something. It's like one of those historic moments. Like you just, you feel it more as longer, the the longer the game goes. And I think that's what makes baseball as, as prolific as it is for a lot of people. So to try to shorten it or decrease it because you want to, you know, make it more entertaining, I think is taking away the integrity of what the game actually built in the first place. Yeah. I I can agree with both of that. Like uh, a side of both of that is just that like, you don't need to make the game shorter, really. You just need to make it slightly more engaging for certain people throughout the entirety of the thing. Because like you were saying, like NFL goes just as long, but they're super <laughs> super intrigued by it the entire time, usually. Uh, with MLB, like, it's more exciting when you do have that, like, 10th inning and it's, like, 12 to 12 and this dude, like, knocks a grand slam out. It is more engaging. But it's not as much when it's, like, one to one, you got two even teams the entire time, and you and lost to a ghost runner on second. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where I can get. Yeah, that's yeah. frustrating. Well, it's already going to be a little frustrating for for those types of people. 
is what I'm saying. So like, and then it'll just be more frustrating for us to watch him win on a technicality. Yeah, exactly. Well, and the Ghost Runner too, I think, may have an advantage towards the away team because they're the ones with the Ghost Runner on first. You know what I mean? Like they had the first opportunity to score. If they mm-hmm. do get like that single base hit and and they don't have their catcher on second, they've got you know their center fielder, you know who's that ghost runner. He's probably scoring. So like they're gonna have that run. You automatically have more pressure on the home team to not allow more runs scored or to when they come up to bat, they are playing from behind now. Yeah. And I just, it's just to me, unfair. It's a little unfair. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's a little unfair. Because I mean, you, you, I mean, I know it puts more pressure on the team to, or the, on the game to get more intense. Uh, I mean, I see that part of it too. But you know, it, it's just one of those things where it just adds a disadvantage to the other to to the home team, especially because it's like the same thing as like the away team in football getting the coin flip decision. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that's a strategy point. Like they could one hundred percent capitalize on that, and so that's why I'm saying like I I think that it's it, it's one of those things where it's like in practice or in concept, it's probably something that has been able to improve the intensity of the game as it goes on. But um, I think it just, again, I think it just takes away from what baseball actually is, in my opinion, as far as the competitive goes, competition goes. So, yeah. Um, So now we're going to move on to the other interesting rule for this uh, season. The Otani rule is what it's being called. And basically what it is, is that, uh, if a starting pitcher is also in the lineup as the DH, then the player can remain as the DH even if he's removed as a pitcher due to the fact that in the past, the starting pitcher in the AL, if he was also in the lineup, the DH was forfeited and his spot and the order was taken by the relieving pitcher. So this is really good for players like Otani that really can uh, play both of those positions incredibly well. Um how many other pitchers does that really benefit, though, can you think of? I don't think it benefits many but Otani, but I think it leaves the door open for the game to evolve. I think it leaves the door open for, you know, because I haven't been in this situation, but pitchers and hitters, at some point, they're going to decide, do I pitch or do I hit? I mean, the Indians have a pitcher right now, not the Indians, sorry, Guardians, have a pitcher right now, Anthony Gwos. Used to be a, an outfielder. He now converted to a relief pitcher. He throws like 100 to 101 miles an hour. It's insane. But he used to be an outfielder. He used to be a hitter. That could benefit Cleveland very well with this new rule. If they, I mean, he's not really a starting pitcher. But, I mean, that type of player can become that type of player in this league. And that can that – can, I mean, Otani's value for that alone is huge. Like – I think it leaves the door open to allow more pitchers to learn to hit um, and more pit, uh, hitting pitchers to make a splash in the league. And, I mean, what Otani's doing, we haven't seen since Babe Ruth. And, I mean, that's exciting in itself. Yeah. That's why a lot of people like watching him play. My, my, opinion, my opinion, though, too, is that if you have a, a player who is – in a position, but as a good batter and you need to swap them out of that position on the field in order for them to bat. I mean, if you have them on the roster and you need them to bat, they should be able to bat whenever you want them to. I don't think there should be a rule relegating when you can or can't put on a hitter because they're not on the field. I mean, there are, there are 
batters now in this league who don't play a position on the field who are just on a on a lineup to bat like and so i i think when it came to pitchers or if it comes to pitchers i think that should be the rule as well I, so i think it's a great rule i think I, 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 it makes the most sense to me if they're on the roster they should be able to bat whenever you need them to you know yeah well, uh, it's almost like i feel like there shouldn't be a rule at that at all like well no what, later what, roster hit. <laughs> well, what it was saying is that because <clears throat> before we had the universal dh all it was saying was that if you in the nl if your starting pitcher was also in your batting lineup when you replace your starting pitcher, that new relief pitcher now took his position in mm-hmm. the batting lineup. Right, right, of course. Yeah, and, so. and 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 that that makes sense. I'm not saying that that like I'm not saying that they can't. Uh, I'm just saying in the, in reference to like if we need to like batting lineups should be separate to pitching lineups, right? Like you should be able to make like all right, this batter is a good batter, but you know when we need him there, yeah. uh, we need him in this lineup. That should be applicable to whoever is on the roster spot, in my opinion. So, yeah. I feel it was. I, I kind of agree. I feel like it should have been something that didn't go with. It shouldn't have had to have been said. Like, right. Your your batting lineup is one thing, and then your fielding positions are another. I've seen it multiple times where you can kind of swap out later in the game, maintain people fresh, and you still have your same batting lineup if you need it, or you can have someone else come in and pinch it later on if you need it to. I feel like now that it's in like actual spoken rule, it kind of closes the door in a way just because like now you see more specialized uh players who are only pitcher and hitter rather than seeing like an outfielder be made a pitcher you know like most players can play all fucking all the positions um they grew up playing all the positions and just got really good at one and that's what they got picked up in the league but they it's not unheard of to have them swap positions like that but now you're gonna have kind of uh one person just being like pitcher hitter with the relief pitcher on there, but it, it's going to be more specialized. You're not going to like pick from your outfielders to be a pitcher and hitter now because you got one guy who's he, he might not be doing so great pitching, but he's doing amazing hitting, and like th- that's his niche job now. I want to play devil's advocate though. Okay. How okay. many people were excited to when Otani needed to be relieved relieved in because he was such a good uh, good hitter? How many? How many things you use that to a strategy? Be like, all right, he's out. He's not hitting anymore. We don't have to worry about him. Right. I think certain teams that don't have, I mean, it, it doesn't affect most teams now that there's universal DH. Yeah. But I mean, it used to be like that's why they would say it was an unfair advantage to have a universal DH uh, or to have a DH from the American League and not the National League because you know you have less hitters to work with. Um, this rule, I think. It didn't really need to be said. There should be no reason you can't just leave your your uh, pitcher in there, especially not with the universal DH. I just just to play devil's advocate. It's just like it seems like it can be a little unfair to certain teams who have no players like this. But I mean, it opens the door for players like this, and also I don't think it'll affect the game too much. Yeah. Well, yeah. Given com- how competitive trade market and drafts are now, like I feel like that unfairness is kind of on your own self. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. when we've been having the player strike, talking about uh, player cap- pay caps and whatnot. Like you're really bringing this on yourself if you're trying to make this like a full blown market now, and you're not investing in your players, like good people to put on your roster. Yeah. That's where I agree with Ty. Is the, the batting and hit the batting and pitching roster and like fielding roster that should be completely different. You should be allowed to stack your batting. Uh, roster as high as you want like you paid for it fucking do it 
Yeah, and it, it, it comes down to it's up to players to decide how they want to develop themselves as they start getting higher up from college and then in, up through the uh, minors. Mm-hmm. And it's on the teams to decide how to spend their capital and really develop their players and which players they want to develop. So as far as the competitive edge, that's on both the players and the teams and how on each of their own ends they decide to go about it. So let's move on. The last like top tier free agent was signed this week. Trevor Story landed with the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to be filling in there, I believe, the second base. They're going to keep Bogarts at shortstop. Uh, how do you feel about that, guys? Uh, if I'm a Red Sox fan, I'm happy. If I'm anybody else, I'm pissed. Um, especially the Giants, because you know, uh, I'd love to have Story on my team next to Jock Peterson. But whatever, I guess Jock Peterson isn't convincing enough, so now I blame Jock. But um, no, I I think it's a good move for the Red Sox. Uh, he's a good fielder. He's a good batter. He's a good player. Uh, it's a good additions piece. Good depth. Um, I think they're gonna get good use out of him. I mean, they already had a pretty good year last year, so I think they're just gonna double down. And yeah, I think it's good. I think it's good adding, but you know, also fuck the Red Sox. As <laughs> as a Cleveland fan, I would like any free agent, like any at all, to come to Cleveland. <laughs> but I don't think it's gonna happen. I don't um, think so either. We're gonna shop with Jack Peterson, and after Jack Peterson's comments about franchises not paying their you know players, yeah. Uh, he, they they were probably like, "Hey, you want to come to Cleveland?" He's like, "What are you gonna pay me?" He's like, "Oh, pennies." And he's like, "Yeah, nah." I'll give you a seven up. How about a crisp high five? It's like that <laughs> scene in Moneyball where David Justice is like, "Why do I gotta pay for my soda?" Yeah, <laughs> like, well, exactly. this is the team you're on now. Yeah, right. Yeah, like you're gonna have to slip out of the bottom five lowest paid if you want <laughs> if you want anything. Same thing for me though. So you know. <laughs> I think yeah. what we did see, though, this offseason outside of that is that big market rules overall, like big market teams are, are always going to be more attractive than small markets like like Red Sox are a pretty big baseball market. And then also the Dodgers adding a few people, too, as well, which yeah. was ridiculous. And then like the Mets, the Mets, like New York, like media, like like all these big market areas are just are just overpowering in the in the baseball market because it's just notoriety like it's just that legacy piece where you get to go somewhere that's going to be a big market. You get a lot of, you know, you, you hit pretty well, you have a good season and you know, you're put on the map on that point because I just feel like it gets more coverage than anywhere else. And so that's where teams like, you know, Cleveland sort of struggles with that. And then also like some other like Midwest teams that don't really get a lot. Like even the Orioles don't really get a lot of players like Pittsburgh too. Yeah. Like, so it's just, um, yeah, we just seen that really heavily this off season. Yeah. And that's, that's like, that's a hundred percent true. And then, with any sport, as soon as you start making it into a business, which they've already done with every sport, it, that's kind of what rules market rule happens is where you have the uh, biggest, most franchisable team is going to get players like the Mets. The Mets haven't, well, they've been pretty good in recent years, but before that they were like just terrible for the longest time, but they had the biggest, one of the biggest franchises. So people kept following the Mets. People wanted to see the Mets win. Uh, when the Cubs made it to the World Series, people wanted to see the Cubs win because they were terrible for so long, but had such a lot of everybody. Not everybody. Not everybody. It was a great divide between the nation because they, you know, they had Indians fans too. But talking about uh, how the market really does rule 
and uh, the Mets. That's actually a very good segue into the next player we were going to talk about. That's Michael Conforto, who has been trying to hold out to get more money. Uh, he apparently in 2020 turned down an extension offer that was worth 100 to $120 million and then posted his 2021 season, and it's unlikely that he'll get that same money. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at his stats <laughs> right now. They're almost like... It, he dropped... Really kind of like similar numbers almost, and there's been like 80 more games played. He dropped 90 points and his batting average. And went from 412 to 344 on his on-base percentage and from 515 slugging to 384. He went from a 927 I don't care if I got better. to 29. I don't care if I got better. Pay me. Pay me now. Pay me more. I thought he was trying to make you it know, up. You know, if he screws himself out of money, maybe he'll drop low enough and want to come play for Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> you don't hear. want that because then that's just going to be him just being bitter about having no other team to go to. Yep. No, he's going to hear what his friend Frankie Lindor has to say about being in Cleveland, and he's going to be like, oh, fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) From what I I heard, I'm going here. Cleveland, you know, but I I don't know. Um, (laughs) So when it comes to some of these free agents, like Michael, like him doing that, like he wants to be on a winning team. That that division is going to be tough. Who doesn't, though? Red Sox are going to be in a tough division now with the Blue Jays and all their signings. Um, yeah. I get, you know, trying to hold out for more money, but man, that only goes so far. And then you end up in Cleveland. They just fought an entire strike over money, man. I, like, yeah. You got those couple. It almost didn't happen because of money. Like, yeah. Yeah. and, and you also those another, couple players were going to do it. another thing to add with Conforto, not only did he turn down the extension offer from 2020, he also did not accept the qualifying offer from this year for eighteen point five. Oh, this guy's this guy's uh, he's going he's rough. Sh- he's he's shooting himself in the foot and he's now he still doesn't have a team. He is still he's not putting signed. his big boy pants on and saying, I'm not gonna take anything less than the max for no reason. Uh, well, and, I mean, didn't didn't he have something going on with the Red Sox earlier this year too? Like they were trying to sign him for a minute and then it fell through. I know he uh, didn't deny it. I don't remember hearing that story. I can look at that later, but I mean, I don't. I, I think the Red Sox are, are going to be fine with where they are, and I, I don't think they need to try and. Oh yeah, no. Like if, if he's still no, trying. It, it, it to get, yeah, if, if he's still trying to get the money that he was offered back in 2020, then he's not. If he plays this year with a good team and has the same type of season that he had in 20 uh, 2020. Then maybe he'll get a hundred plus million dollar offer in twenty three and beyond, but that all depends on one somebody picking him up and two him just accepting the fact that he needs to evaluate well, I mean, where he really is as a player. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's like Baker Mayfield coming out and saying, "I want three times the money to stay with you." Yeah. Not a bad player, but he did have a backslide. <laughs> He did have a bad, nah, he did have a, a step back season for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think Don't that'll exactly do it. Have leverage there. <laughs> I think that'll do it for us for the MLB today. Uh, we'll talk about some more things next week. Um, just real mm-hmm. quick, want to go over some University of Hawaii baseball. Last weekend, they played Long Beach State. 
one of my favorite names of teams for any sport, the Long Beach State Dirtbags. Really got to hand it to them. I love that name. But we lost the first two games, 0-4, 4-5. The game on Saturday, we were tied up, or we were leading for a while, and then in the ninth inning is when they rallied back and uh, finished it off to win 5-4. to four. And then finally on Sunday, Hawaii pulled out a win, so they ended up losing that series 2-1. to one. And then last night we played UC Irvine, nice rainy baseball game. Not so rainy that we had to stop, just what they call the Manoa Mist. And um, it was it was a tight game. Uh, they put two runs on the board first, but then we answered back. And then a couple innings later, they had a three run RB or a three RBI hit, and uh, that made it five to two. Then we ended up tying it up, and later on they finally got one more run to make it six to five, and we could not get anybody across in the bottom of the ninth. So UC Irvine pulls out that win, six to five. Um, so we got two more games this weekend with UC Irvine, and that puts us at one and three, I think, for our uh, conference games that Hawaii has played. So we'll see what happens. Um, but as I understand it, Ian, you got to hop off. And I wanted to thank you for being here to help us with baseball. And hopefully next week we can keep you for the whole show. Hopefully. I think, I think next week will be a fun time. All right. Yeah, man. It's always good talking to you. Peace out, man. See you, man. Fuck yeah. All right. Okay, so- now that you're gone, how shit is Cleveland? <laughs> all right so now we can finally tell the truth about the guardians <sighs> moving on to the nba ty how are we looking we got one week left yeah yeah we got one week left the uh the seating is pretty much concrete now at this point uh aside from a few things in the east i think there's a three-way tie between toronto um Cleveland and uh, the Bulls as well. So the Bulls have really kind of been a, a big disappointment with everything that's been going on. I mean, I know they had Miss Caruso for quite some time and, you know, De- DeMar DeRozan was playing MVP basketball, but I really was hoping that they were going to maintain that three spot. Hopefully they don't drop below uh, where they're currently at or they don't have to go into the playing tournament. But I'm, you know, I'm really excited to see uh, once they have a full squad and everybody on, on par and everybody's healthy, uh, what they do on the East. But, uh, you know, overall, I'm still sticking with my pick from last week. I think the Bucks are going to be able to um, hit a high tail there a little bit. I think Giannis had a, a, some sort of risk situation going on this last week. So I think he's been sitting out of games, but um I'm really excited to see what they do on the West. Uh, Chris Paul comes back for the Suns. Uh, he just returned to the rotation yesterday. So, uh, you know, Devin Booker dropped a 49-point game to, I think, I think they beat the Nuggets, if I remember correctly. And uh, that was actually a pretty uh, close game down the stretch. But then they ended up, you know, again, Devin Booker had a, a nice one. And then uh, the Warriors blew out the, the Miami Heat a couple nights ago. And then they lost last night to uh, to the Hawks. And... Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think that three seed between the uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Suns, and the Warriors are going to be something interesting to watch in the postseason when it comes down to playoff time. We're about a week and a half away from the playing tournament, so I'm I'm really excited to see how it shapes out in the West and then also for the East. Uh, I think we might see some shift changes there with Cleveland, so let's stay tuned with that. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's really exciting basketball. I can't wait to see what it looks like also too. when when Steph returns and Giannis returns and then, uh, you know, when everybody starts getting into their healthy places. And, and I think teams right now are taking these last few games to figure out what their playoff rotations are going to be. I think they're going to start limiting the roster spots to or the starting lineups and, and changing rotations to about eight, nine players uh, interchanges here and there. So um, I think they're going to start finding their rotations with some of these games. So we're going to probably see what the playoff picture is going to look like with some of these rotations and um, see how everything shapes out. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how it all goes. looks like it's going to be a pretty interesting offseason. Nobody's a clear favorite winner. Um, I think everybody is pretty even keeled right now. It's a really good time in basketball because there's no super team. There's no, you know, everybody's pretty even keeled. So, you know, I know a lot of people really favor the Suns, but I, you know, I think that, um, I think the Suns are are a beatable team, uh, regardless of what people are suggesting. So I think that's going to be a really competitive match in the playoffs, and I, I can't wait to watch. Yeah. I mean, I still have an unpopular opinion with the Suns, is that even with CP3, they, they choke and get in their own way constantly. Yeah. They have for years. <laughs> I, I was born in Arizona and saw them play. Like they, they still seems like the same team to me. I mean, they've definitely gotten better, but... This season, they've definitely surprised me. Like I thought they were going to fall short after losing Chris Paul, but they they've been they've been trucking hard. And you're right, there's not there's not really a super team. They're all just kind of like trucking hard together. Like right now, I think the Celtics are trying to beat out the Bucks for the third seed. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw what happened when Steph got lost. Like we we demolished the Bucks and the Wizards, and then we lost Steph and Draymond went through his funk doing Draymond things. <laughs> yeah and uh we lost to the Celtics Spurs and Magic but then uh our boy Jordan Poole came out and just demolished the heat like yeah I, I really like that kid he's he's kind of inconsistent right now but he, he definitely looks like he's being groomed for being our our new Steph Curry yeah I and that's uh huh. that, that was my second note too about that uh you know Jordan Poole dropped a 30 point blowout game against the uh, Miami Heat and I mean this oh, guy yeah. was putting up he put up I, I think like four or five threes in consecutive point uh, consecutive fashion over a 30 second to a minute stretch and uh it was it was so bad to the point that the Heat roster on the sideline just uh had a, a sort of a spout between the, the head coach and Jimmy Butler and Udonis Haslam and it, it just sort of <laughs> created this whole situation where there was disagreements and fights on the bench so um, this kid's definitely the most improved player in the league, in my opinion, especially from last year. I think he's increased his mm-hmm. 18 point per game to 20 point per game. I think he's at right now at about 25 points per game, roughly. So he's uh, he's definitely has the stats and the metrics to prove that he's the most improved player on the team. I think mm-hmm. he's starting to come into his own in in, uh, in Golden State, and I think he's. Uh, I, I honestly think he has the potential to be in the starting lineup right now, but I think it's one of those things where uh, they just have their three mainstay, their their um, their championship caliber core that they're trying to stick with. But I think once that moves on, I think the Warriors should pay him in the off season somewhere upward to eighty million, probably ninety million, and give him a guaranteed contract for extension. Um, I think that's the smartest move for the Warriors. For him, he might be looking at something in the offseason to give him a better boost. Uh, he's definitely going to have a good market. You know, he's increased his, he's almost doubled his point per game value. And also he's just sort of proved that he's definitely a firepower that is uh, is worthy of a max contract. So we'll see what they do with him. Uh, I think he's, he's the next step in, in Golden State. Hopefully they extend on him, but uh, who knows? Yep, so... Another thing to mention about 
NBA is uh, New York City mayor rolled back the requirements for vaccinations. So Kyrie Irving can actually play at home now. Uh, How much of a leg up does that really give the Nets going into this final stretch? I think it gives them a lot. I think uh, I think it's a really crucial time for him to get that. I think um, having him able to play at home is is definitely a big a big playoff piece that they're they needed to have happen. Um, I, I honestly I I can't wait to see what happens in the playoffs because they're different. They're a different team when they get into the postseason with, with that with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and then you know I'm not quite sure what's going to happen with Ben Simmons, but. Um, in the situation where Ben Simmons returns sometime, hopefully in the offseason, I don't think it will because he has a back issue. But uh, if they can actually keep their people healthy, they can get Seth Curry back. They can get a couple of other their depth pieces back. Brooklyn is definitely going to be able to be a nightmare, even though they're already in the play-in tournament. I think that with Kyrie Irving able to play home games, that just improves their chances in the offseason of making a pretty deep run uh, in the playoffs. So. I think it's a big move for um, and a big positive move for the Brooklyn Nets, and I think it's a good positive move for uh, for Kyrie Irving. And also, I, I just think that, you know, I I don't think he should be fined for going into his home team's, you know, uh, locker room when he's sitting courtside because he doesn't have a mask on and doesn't have vaccination. Like uh, that's his work of employment. You know, I think he should be able to do that. Um, but you know, I I, can, I understand. The concept, you know, people need to be vaccinated, people need to be healthy, people need to be safe, and there are consequences for it, and I understand that completely. So, uh, on the one hand, I'm just glad that that matter is settled now and that Kyrie can get back to playing, and I'm, I'm excited to see what he does in the postseason. Hopefully he does something. Doesn't do what he did, like, <laughs> earlier this year when he got fucking benched. Just go nuts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm also yeah. interested to see what LeBron does now. Uh, after his loss of the Sixers, like they were really pushing for it. It looked like they were trying hard. And then uh, I don't know if you guys heard about the recent news about kind of like pushing over to uh, recent cinema. Apparently he got handed the worst actor award from the Golden Raspberries for Space Jam 2 and Space Jam 2 won worst remake (laughs) ripoff. Of course it (laughs) did. I mean, you know, it wasn't, I didn't, I didn't think it was a good movie, but well, I, no, no one did, and that's yeah, why it's funny. He's got the like, <laughs> He's got tons of fans on his Twitter now, just saying things like, "Finally, an award that LeBron actually won and deserved." <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious as to how he brings that anger to the court now, too, on yeah, top right. of the Sixers' loss. I feel like the Pelicans are just going to pay for it. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you guys saw the recent controversy uh, where Draymond Green went on his podcast and basically said that because, you know, LeBron James is about 50 or so games away from being the all time scoring leader over Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, mm. So it, he's set to get that record soon. And so Draymond Green went on his podcast and basically said that uh, it, he was putting it out there that if there was a game going on for the Warriors at the same time that LeBron's about to break the record, uh, that he would he was going to sit out for the game that he was supposed to play with the Warriors and go watch LeBron break the record, and it's it's caused a little bit of controversy uh, across the media because people are more than upset about the fact that he's willing to sit out of a game to go watch another player who's supposed to be his rival um, mm-hmm. go and make history, and so I think that that was sort of the conversation piece there, but. I get it. I mean, if I if I was on an opposing team player and and I watched Steph Curry go break the three point record, I would one hundred percent miss out on a game to go watch history. And I get that for sure. But uh, the competitive yeah, edge like, is definitely one of those things that's you know <laughs> kind of controversial. 
and what do you want from Draymond, really? Like, it's it's a better attitude and I'm and a better relationship he's had with LeBron than in the past. Like yeah, before agreed. when they were fighting and headbutting constantly during games in the championship and yeah. even during one of them, like LeBron got him thrown out. Yeah. And he got super pissed. Like Yeah, because he was stepping over him. Like <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and honestly, like you said, he was what, like maybe fifty <laughs> games away from breaking that record? Right. Like you think about yeah, where that would what what point of the season that would put the Warriors in nine times out of ten, they're they're pretty far ahead at that point. So it's like cut the guy a little bit of slack. Like Yeah. I mean as long as he's not missing a playoff game, I don't see yeah. what the issue is, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, so <clears throat> I agree. Alright, so on to the next one. We're gonna close up today with talking about some NFL and I'm pretty sure that anybody that's watching this probably already knows what I want to talk about based on what I'm wearing. I should have worn my jersey too, too, man. (laughs) I I think this is probably the last time I'm going to wear this particular jersey. I think I might just hang it up at this point and put it on the wall. Yeah. The Matt Ryan era in Atlanta is over. He is now going to the Indianapolis Colts, and I wish him the best of luck. I will admit I've already bought a Matt Ryan Colts jersey. Um, let's uh, let's just kind of recap some of Matt Ryan's career uh, real quick. I mean, he was four times Pro Bowl, one time All Pro. He was the 2016 MVP, uh, 2016 Offensive Player of the Year, the 2008 Rookie of the Year, uh, and he he's one of the most consistent producing quarterbacks that's that's really been playing uh and he's handled a lot of the things that have happened in atlanta with really really good professionalism i mean especially considering what what just happened uh he he handled that very well he didn't go ranting anywhere he didn't post on instagram or post on twitter he didn't go and 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 say that he just didn't want to play for this team anymore. He kind of waited it out and then did the professional thing and they agreed to the trade and he went to the new team and he showed up there and was all smiles and and very happy to be there and is uh, looking forward to just playing another season of football. Yeah. I mean, since the beginning, he handled the Deshaun Watson issue perfectly. Like Baker came on saying he was done with Cleveland. He didn't even do that. He's just like still expecting to play with Atlanta. It's fine. Yep. Um, that's why I don't think that should be the last time you wear that jersey. I think if if the Colts make it, which they look like they have a really good chance of making it now, you should wear that for the Super Bowl if he makes it. No, well, I'm gonna wear the, the yeah I, Matt Ryan Colts jersey. Yeah, <laughs> but he's got the spirit of the Falcons. If anything, for if anything, for at least for spite, <laughs> like but you made it there. Just be like, I'm I'm guys. I'm just I'm just really happy for the guy. I think uh, you know he he deserves a lot of success. Uh, him and his family, uh, his wife Sarah, they they deserve everything that um, that I think the Colts are going to give them now. I think he deserved a really good team built around him, and it, it seemed like for a while that you know Atlanta was doing their part to give him as much as they could. That 2016 run was probably. Uh, the most prolific and probably the best that we've ever seen, Matt. But not only that, but he's just been one of the best quarterbacks I think that Atlanta has seen in a very, very long time, if ever. And I think he's going to be a staple for that franchise um, for years to come. And, 
you know, it's really, really unfortunate that, you know, in the latter half of his, of his career that, you know, they weren't able to build something around him. I think it was just a more of a, obviously a financial glitch than anything else, but um, I'm, I'm really, really happy for Matt. I think he's going to do fantastic uh, in, in a Colts Jersey. I think he's going to do fantastic in Indianapolis. It's only, uh, it's only right considering the fact that he's like, as far as stat wise, he's like right underneath Peyton Manning with all time passing. And, uh, you know, it's just sort of fitting for him to be where he's at. And now uh, he's got a really good roster. And I, I think that with the cap space available in Indy, that they're going to be able to give him the assets. They're going to take him a long way. And like Andrew was saying, they have a really good chance of, of making it all the way. I mean, the, if you see the improvement index released by the league, they're they're number one. I mean, as far as how how far they've improved this season. So it's just uh, on paper, you know, on the optics, you know, in his, in his, his press conference, you know, him jumping off the plane, looking dapper. I think he, uh, he, he, he looks the part. He looks like a a Indianapolis Colts quarterback. Like I think he looks like he's going to step out there and be what we expect him to be. And um, it brings a tear to my eye a little bit because I wish he would have done that, been able to do that with Atlanta. I think he did a great job with Atlanta with what he had. And uh, especially even last year, winning seven games with what, what, Atlanta had, you know, going out there with him. And, uh, you know, I'm just glad that he can finish out his career in a good franchise and a respectable franchise. And that, um, you know, I'm going to miss Matt for sure. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is like probably the best move for him. Absolutely. Yeah. Even if I think he knew that too. Keep him. Yeah. 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 Because now he's going away from his shadow of uh, he's a great quarterback, but hasn't been doing an exemplary amount since 2016 enough to break him out of the I'm costing my team millions of dollars thing. So like you have a lot of Atlanta fans, a lot of people talking about general management for your team too, who are just like, Oh, you know, Matt Ryan earns this much money just sitting on a bench if he wanted to. And like, he's, I think he's had a rough time breaking out of that shadow, but now going to the Colts who were like arguably a quarterback away from, having a Super Bowl run and then put on more defensive pieces. Mm-hmm. Like I think him going there, they're just he's gonna immediately demolish because all they needed was a decent quarterback past Carson Wentz and they got it. Yeah. Like he's gonna fucking he's gonna run train out there. Yeah. And so let's uh let's look at who's in the AFC South. So we got the Titans, Colts, Texans and Jaguars. Um both Texans and Jaguars had a losing record last year, four and thirteen and three and fourteen between those two. Um, do you think the Titans are going to be that difficult to beat out for the AFC South? I I, I think it's going to be an arms race. Uh, both the Jaguars and the Titans have actually improved quite a bit this offseason. The Titans just got Robert Woods, which is a very underrated wide receiver. Uh, the, the Jaguars got a lot of pieces on their front line. They got an O-line help for Trevor Lawrence. They got a couple of tight ends. I think they even got some receivers. Um, I I think that they're going to be a, a force to reckon with now, especially with new management under their, uh, under their reign. They have uh, Doug Peterson, who has championship experience. I think they, they have a, a pretty dangerous roster now at this point. So I think the Jags are going to be... Um, are going to be a force. I think the Titans are going to be pretty good too, as well with that added wide receiver core. And 
um, uh, you know, with a little bit of help for Derrick Henry. And, and I'm, I'm curious to see how it ends up. But I, honestly, I think that uh, even with those improvement pieces, I don't think they're any better uh, than the Colts are. I think the Colts are, you know, a, still a well-developed team, well-established team. And now they just add that missing piece that they were, you know, that they they didn't have previously. And and what a pickup that they got, you know, a veteran quarterback who's got, a, you know, who has leadership presence, a stand up, uh, stand up man, and uh, and Matt Ryan. And so I think the, um, I think the Colts still have, I still they'll still think they have the best chance of winning out that division. Yeah. And then outside of that division, let's not forget we still got the Bengals, the Bills, the Chiefs. And it we'd we'd be a little foolish to sleep on the Dolphins or the Patriots too. So oh, yeah. Well, we're gonna be ext- so that's what's going on with the AFC right now. They the AFC is lighting up entirely, not just the South. Like yeah, you also have the Oakland Raiders and the Broncos making huge moves. Mm-hmm. So like like Derek Carr has a lot of pieces surrounding him now because uh, I was talking to my dad about it because he's a huge Raiders fan. And I was like, you know. What you guys are going to have to do is move on from Carr, which is a huge unpopular opinion in Vegas. Um, I think they should, but uh, these are either move on from Carr or stack the deck as much as you can around him. And they did. So, like, and they're continuing to. They still have more plans to. So, like, if if they don't win out this year and at least make it to, like, somewhere deep in the playoffs, maybe wildcard position, it's probably Derek Carr's fault. You should probably move on from him soon. But... It'd be dumb to ignore the fact that the Raiders have come a long way. So have the Broncos. The Broncos are going to be a huge force to be reckoned with. So uh, being a Patriots fan in the AFC right now is, is going to be tough. Like Mac Jones, I do have a lot of faith in. I do like that we're trying to put more receivers on our field with him. Uh, we're trying to kind of they're trying to kind of groom him into the quarterback that Belichick wanted out of Brady. So he's slightly more flexible, but still got a Brady kind of esque talent. They're trying to do that. Uh, we'll see how it works out for them. But holy shit, <laughs> it's like some of this AFC is just going to be insane. Like just from the Colts, Broncos, and Raiders alone, I would say that. And then the Bengals—they're doing moves to run it back again this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't—I don't think anyone's worried about the Jets, but I'm always worried about the Dolphins because they seem to have the Patriots number. Like they could be an 0 and 15 team, and then. The Patriots will have an undefeated season and just lose to them somehow. Yeah. Like, With the addition of Tyreek Hill, too, man. And, oh, yeah. And now and, that they're going to be actually better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tyreek Hill and a couple of O line pieces, I think they got too. And I'm also eight, super worried about the Bills. Like, yeah. The Bills will always be a team to worry about now, especially Josh Allen. And and just a, another perspective on this, the AFC only had three teams with losing, or excuse me, four teams with losing records compared to seven in the NFC from last year. And a lot yep. of that, a lot of the uh, winning percentage was concentrated in the NFC West last year. Mm-hmm. They had three of their teams with at least 10 wins, whereas the other three conferences or the other three uh, divisions only had one. I mean, that's how it goes, though. Like, they've had... So even during the dynasty years of the Patriots, you if you look at the conferences other than them, like other than the rest of the nation trying to watch the Patriots lose, you had it you'd had one year where the NFC was just stacked and like the top would be ten games away from like the fourth seed, or you'd have it, it flip flop with the AFC doing the same thing. So like you've had years where the AFC was just dramatically easy and years where the NFC was dramatically easy and like if you had people who choked along the way, it didn't really matter. Because 
<laughs> they can get there still. Yeah. <sighs> well, like we said, best wishes to to Maddie Ice and Indy. My dad is oh, yeah. he's now a Colts fan. Uh, so I would be. <laughs> Until your team rebuilds, like, hell yeah, if you're a Matt Ryan fan, definitely buy a Colts jersey. Like, who cares if you fucking franchise that? Like, he's he's going to do work next year. Yeah. Like, if you're a huge Matt Ryan fan, be excited. It's sad that he's not on the Falcons, but he's going to do extremely well. So do we have uh, anything else you want to talk about before we wrap it up? Uh, no, no. I'm good. That's pretty much it. All it's right. still funny to see that Jay's still free agent. but <laughs> Yeah, the free agency list is pretty, pretty expansive. Yeah. Well, once again, thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Uh, if you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to give us a comment or an email, and we'll do our best to address it. We'll catch you next week. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Bye.